You're listening to The Manifest Podcast. My name is Sarah Prout. I'm a best-selling author, a creative entrepreneur, and a manifestation expert. Over the last decade, I have inspired millions of people all over the world about emotional empowerment, intuitive wisdom, and heart-based healing. So in this show, every single week, I'm going to deliver you a brand new dose of inspiration to connect with the magic of the universe and to manifest your dreams. Are you ready? This is going to be fun. Let's get started. Hello there and welcome back to another episode of the Manifest podcast. Now today's episode is based on the fact that I get so many messages. I get direct messages either to Instagram or even my team gets sent messages from people that ask this particular question. How to know when your relationship is over? So how do you know when it's time to call it quits in a partnership with your spouse? How do you know when it's time to separate And so this is the thought that occurred to me. If I'm getting this many messages from people that are saying, how do I know when my relationship is over? What about all of the people that can't put a voice to it, that feel like they can't reach out to somebody and ask for advice? So if that's you, then this episode today has been lovingly created from not only my personal experience in this uh, in this theme, Um, but also some of the other ways in which I have closely danced with the concept of ending my marriage, ending my current marriage. And I talk a lot about that in my upcoming book called Be the Love. Uh, And that is coming out on May the 10th, 2020. So if you haven't already pre-ordered a copy, you can go to sarahprout.com slash be the love. And that book really really documents how I learned how to navigate through many different relationships in my life, uh, going back to the relationship ultimately with myself, because that's what it's all about, right? So today, in addition to sharing the seven ways you can know that your relationship is truly over, I'll be sharing some key insights of things that I've been through, things that I've noticed along the way, and then also some of the obvious things which sometimes get hidden in the shuffle of overwhelming emotions. And I mean, I've offered so much advice to so many different people. Maybe you're one of them that is listening to this right now. And you'll know that I've given you the same piece of advice. And this is tried and tested advice. I've had the experience behind me. Now, for those of you that are brand new to the show, welcome. It's great to finally meet you. I'm glad that our paths have crossed. I was married for 10 years to a brilliant man, but our relationship was riddled with domestic violence. And it wasn't constant, but even if it is just a few instances over that decade, and for me, I can count that there were at least 40 incidences of violence, physical violence from both him and from me to him. Uh, That's something that I haven't talked about a lot, but I'll be talking a lot more about that and the ways in which our trauma manifests and then transmutes. Um, So that's my story. And a key piece to understand is that when you are in... A toxic dynamic, it takes a lot of bravery to finally break off. Because when you're 
dealing with codependency, when you're dealing with lack of self-worth, it can be really, it can be tremendously difficult to finally make that new chapter of your life a priority. And for me, I left or I attempted to leave eight times before I finally, for the last time, did it. So I'll share a little bit about that today. And hopefully this will be this will be helpful on your journey, no matter what you're going through. So here are, here are the first seven ways that you can gauge if it's time to move on to the next chapter of your life. And this is really what I went through. Uh, number one is that you've truly exhausted all options of seeking help and emotional support. You've had all of the conscious conversations and hope feels lost. Now, for me, um, I was never one that was comfortable asking for help. And that was because that was in direct proportion to my lack of self-worth. And I, I was so prideful. I didn't even ask my parents for help when I really needed it, when I was going through the abuse or when, you know, mystery, mystery bruises would show up and I would have to lie about them. It was a time of figuring out how to manage my own energy. But at the same time, if you're going through this, and I know that domestic violence is an extreme example of what happens in a relationship, what I would tell my younger self now is that get help, just get help. If you are going through any kind of violent situation or you are creating violence in your relationship, get some help because there is hope when you believe in yourself and when you get the support that you need change and transformation is possible and that this this podcast right now I want you to know is a non-judgmental space I am sharing from my heart if you have listened to any of my episodes before you know that's the way I roll I share from my heart and my intention here is to create a window of awareness because this is how we grow as human beings this is how we engage in the delicious experience of life so Make sure that you've exhausted all options. And, and by that, I mean that a normal, healthy relationship has a cycle to it. Um, and you can rekindle that spark and that cycle. But it takes work. Relationships do take work. I was married to my first husband for 10 years. I have been married to my second husband now for we will be celebrating nine years this year. And we've been together 12. And it comes with its ups and downs. And when my my soulmate husband, my beautiful Sean Patrick Simpson and I first got together, I had to learn how to be in a relationship because I believe that what happens is that we drag our cyclic baggage with us and that relationships are a way that we heal ourselves, that these people, these beautiful people have been placed in our lives for a reason. Now, I'm not advocating violence, of course, not at all. There's no excuse for abuse. But what I am saying is that those trigger points, even if it is, you know, there's, there's no sinister intentions behind it and they're just doing things that annoy the heck out of you, that that is normal and it's an invitation to love unconditionally. But if you can't, if the relationship's not functional, then you must consider your happiness, don't just stay together for the sake of your kids, right? My my parents did that. They were married for 29 years and they were so happy. They were the best of friends in the initial years. And then in the middle part, things kind of got a little bit, you know, crazy where they would be arguing a lot and it wasn't fun to grow up in a in an environment where your parents are constantly arguing because as a kid, you believe that it's your fault. So... 
again, it just speaks to the fact that there are so many healthy and unhealthy ways that we can behave in relationships. So the second way to imagine a life, the second way to gauge if it's time to move on is that you can imagine a life without your spouse. So for me, especially in the final stages of my first marriage, I was, I was, um, I was exhausted. I was so over, you know, hitting the reset button and getting help and seeking therapy and just, it just wasn't going to work. It was like, as Byron Katie says, <laughs> teaching a cat how to bark, right? You, you can't do it. It went against natural laws or it felt like it did because we tried to make it work time and time again. And because, well, th- this is a big one. Um, I had had an affair and my ex-husband had ruined all my stuff. You know, if you've seen the Goldcast video, it's been seen now by, I think, close to 70 million people. It documents that my husband went on a violent rampage and, and ruined all of my stuff. And I came home to a literal, you know, like a shambles. <laughs> it was it was terrible. But what it doesn't say is that that was the same day that I had confessed to having an affair. Um, and there's, again, no excuse for abuse. And we weren't able to handle our emotions properly and I believe that I had an affair as a way to end the marriage and again I talk a lot about this in Be the Love so make sure you grab a copy because I really wrote from the the depths of my soul for this one I went through so much uh, cathartic release during this time and healing because being vulnerable I believe creates healing so it was an absolute blessing to be able to write the book and to fill in all of the details that the Goldcast video couldn't possibly encapsulate in that six minutes, right? So make sure that you check out Be The Love. So the the key thing to remember is that relationships are mutual support systems. So you want to have somebody that honors you and you can honor them. And when one is, one person doesn't honor the sanctity or the sacred boundaries of the relationship, then trust is lost. And without trust, you have nothing. So what is number three is that you can gauge whether or not you care about their happiness. Now, for me, it wasn't that I didn't care about my first husband's happiness. It's that I was just so numbed out to my own happiness that I didn't even have the faculty or the the awareness to think of him. And it wasn't that I was out to intentionally hurt him. It was that I needed to, uh, how do I put this? I feel like I'm trying to make an excuse for some really bad choices. But I was just, I was cold. I was disconnected. I was not able to be empathetic to another human being. And for that, I carried a lot of shame for many years. And my children, for instance, I mean, they were in a cycle that I was in when I was a little kid, right? Parents fighting, parents arguing in the most awful way. And that creates issues and emotional wounds that require healing and require care and attention and energetic recalibration. So if you ask yourself, well, do I really care about their happiness? Sometimes we get possessive, right? So if you really cared about their happiness and you're not truly into them, right? You're not there and invested in the relationship, then the kindest thing you can do to protect their happiness is let go and create spaciousness for somebody else to come into their life and love them. And that's a hard thing to do because 
when you are in the midst of a potential separation, the thought of your spouse being with somebody else can be extremely triggering. It can be, it can set off a lot of issues. And I remember when my first husband was in a relationship with a woman that he would go on to marry, uh, even though I was in a relationship, I still felt those kind of spiky edges of like, Ooh, I feel, it feels weird that another woman's sleeping in the bed that I did or another woman's <laughs> like using my laundry baskets or all of the things that I walked away from, from that 10 year marriage, the house full of furniture and my kitchen items, you know, she just, it was like a plug and play kind of thing. She re- she replaced my role and my position in that household. And for me, it was like, what, what's going on here? But it required for me, and I didn't see that at the time, the beautiful language and lessons that accompany letting go. And I had to learn how to let go. And then I had to transmute that energy in wishing them happiness on their journey because it was a separate journey from my journey with that man if that makes sense. <laughs> so, and then that, that is a gradual progression. You cannot hang on to somebody just because you're territorial and you think, well, if I, if I leave them, they'll be with somebody else and that will be uncomfortable. The fact is any relationship separation is painful. And the great news is that time does heal those wounds and that life in the universe moves you forward to new people, places, experiences, and opportunities. So number four out of the seven ways you can gauge if it's truly time to move on to the next chapter of your life is that you might find yourself being mean, abusive or critical. Now, abusive is a very heavy word, but if you're being mean intentionally, just as like a, a, a reflex, right, you're trying to just be snarky or insensitive or uh, labeling like, oh, you're, you're never any good at anything or you never pay attention to me or, you know, why don't you make me happy? You're placing all of your responsibility and your emotional responsibility on that person and you're holding them accountable for your happiness. And the key point is that if you're in a relationship with somebody, you want to love on that person. You don't want to criticize them. You don't want to henpeck them and, you know, pull them apart. You want to celebrate who they are, accept all of them, be on a growth journey together. That's, that's the most delicious magnetic recipe for success. And <clears throat> what, what I can tell you is that my relationship with Sean, my soulmate husband, my twin flame, is it hasn't been an easy journey by any means. And we have nearly come to part ways quite a few times. Um, not more than I can count. <laughs> but in the initial stages, all I knew was how to react in a very uh, toxic way. And I had to learn with my feel, heal, reveal philosophy that I talk about in Be the Love is I had to learn how to honor my own feelings and release Sean from the burden of my criticism, of my lack of self-worth, of all of those triggering pieces. And I had to learn how to accept his love. And so it was a journey of being the love, be the love. And what I realized is if that I kept behaving like that in a relationship, my conflict resolution skills had to improve. I would always go into like a, a trauma response where if we would have an argument, it would blow out of control and I would get personally uh, verbally abusive. This this is really hard to admit. And I talk a lot about this in the book. Um, 
I would say, I want a divorce. I'm out of here. You know, that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, truly in the heat of the moment, I was just saying that just to be mean. I wasn't, there was no threads of truth behind that. And thankfully, I have an angel of a man that could see through my pain and believe in me and build back that trust so that we could create something beautiful and new and um, from a fresh foundation. And I had to go through quite an emotional journey through the writing of Be the Love, where I was still, even though I was writing the words, I had to embody them. And I was called upon time and time again to walk the talk until I got it right. I mean, it took four or five drafts to write the book. But every time I would write that, it was like, oh, this isn't right. Um, But I got to a point where every single word that is in that book, every single word is something that I've lived. And I I try, I try my best, right? I try my best. And my voice is a bit shaky right now because I believe this and I want to communicate the authenticity and the vulnerability that it has taken to not only speak these words, but to, (laughs) to put my name on the front of that book is that it took time to heal. It's a, it's a journey. And it's something that I'm so proud to say that I'm on the other side of because it's really easy to just turn your back when there's work to be done in a relationship. And what I find is that a lot of the people that message me, they're they're waiting for change, right? They're waiting for the other person to change without taking responsibility for themselves. And so the philosophy in Be The Love is feel, heal, and reveal. So when you feel triggered by your partner and sometimes it escalates into an argument, which it often does. And by the way, it's really important to remember that arguments happen, disagreements happen in a relationship and it's okay. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you have to, you know, put on your combat boots and fight back and, you know, strike back twice as hard. That's not the way it works. It's about remembering and forgetting and navigating your way through that and owning your own boundaries. One of the things that Um, was an issue for Sean and I is that when we would argue he would want space and I would demand his instant attention to make it better in the moment and that's not possible right that doesn't bring with it the awareness that it requires to create the spaciousness for healing and keep in mind we have spent a lot of money over the years on uh, on mentorship people that have guided us on this journey we've been extremely fortunate and blessed to have some incredible mentors that have guided a path forward for us and have reminded us of our mission and our journey together. And the last two years of our relationship, since I wrote the book, um, well, I finished the book last year. So it's it's like an 18 month journey. <laughs> the publishing process is actually a lot longer than it appears. <laughs> um, but the the blessing has been witnessing the internal change and my internal reactions and remembering that I have the power to guide my emotions, to feel my emotions in the moment, to allow myself to feel that, to then have the awareness that I can heal that through my own responsibility, through self-responsibility and self-compassion. And then reveal is that the universe opens and expands a beautiful wave of possibilities. And some relationships have this as an option. Some people give up way too soon. So it's really a personal act of discernment to tune in and see whether you are truly ready to leave or whether it's time to roll up your sleeves and do the hard work and try just one more time, especially if you have children involved. 
I often wonder how many people, if they had the right skills and tools, would work on their marriage, not just label it as, well, it's broken and he's he's never going to change or she's never going to change or they're never going to change and just do the work. You know, don't create such a sense of urgency. There is no urgency unless it's violent, of course. If you are in harm's way, make sure that you are safe. And there are so many incredible resources out there that can help you and support you on that journey. And it's just a simple either DuckDuckGo or Google search to find the right outlets for that. So number five is that you harbor resentment. I remember looking up these articles online, um, you know, how to know when your relationship is over. And I did this maybe three years ago, four years ago, and it was about resentment. And it said that resentment is like the the, the headless horseman of the apocalypse, that once you feel resentment, you, there's no coming back. And I read that and I'm like, yeah, but you can transmute energy. There is no final destination. If you harbor resentment, forgiveness is possible, but you have to forgive yourself. You know, it's so often there are these hard and fast rules that say, well, there's no going back after you feel this this way. But what if there was? What if there was the awareness that we are always changing and growing? Because, I mean, look at your body right now. You're not the infant that you were when you were birthed into the world, right? So that brings me to six, that you're tired of wishing they would change. So I mentioned Byron Katie earlier who says that it's like, training a cat to bark. You can't do it. It's impossible. And her work is really powerful because she talks a lot about mirror work and well, it's called the work actually, where a lot of what we project onto other, other people is uh, the disowned parts of ourselves. So if you're saying things like, I wish, I wish you would change. What you're really saying is I wish I would change. So I just want to take a pause there because that feels like it feels like a really important um, piece of awareness to land that whatever you have hurled in an argument or an insult, if you pointed it back and turned it around on yourself, and it's called the turnaround, as Byron Katie refers to, um, how does that apply to you, right? If you say, I hate you, is it really I hate myself? You know, it's it's really powerful work if you can manage it. If you, It's not for the faint of heart to take that self-responsibility and take ownership of your emotions and to stop worrying so much about how somebody else feels. You have no dominion or control over other people's mindsets, their mind palace, how they conduct themselves. What you can do, though, is love fiercely and unconditionally. And then number seven, the ways to truly gauge if it's time to move on is the spark is gone. And by spark, I mean that thread that holds you together, that thread that bonded you in the beginning. You know when that's exhausted. I knew that uh, it was the time that I left my first husband. I nearly said his name then. <laughs> Whoops, I <laughs> can't do that. Um, the time that I truly left him, I knew that the spark had gone and that there was really no going back. And we did try and attempt to patch things up after my affair, after the violence. And we tried like, you know, like not behaving um, our true selves. And we could see that the violence in our relationship was really the, the passion and the lifeblood, but that's no way to live. Not, not at all. And I wanted, I wanted more for myself. And I, it, it almost, not almost, it definitely went beyond just what I wanted to Wow, what can I give the kids? What stability can I show the children? 
and how can I lead with love? And although it wasn't like a traditional co-parenting experience, there has always been the awareness of both parents loving them. And uh, my ex-husband, I mean, he does the best he can do. He He's a different, um, how do I put this kindly? He is as present as he can be. He's an extremely brilliant man, as I said, but uh, he has an unconventional way of being a dad, right? And it's hard because I moved away and he graciously facilitated that and gave me permission to do so. But he's still in their lives as a loving, compassionate person that shows up from time to time. And the great thing is, is that we've done our work together uh, individually, of course, and there's been a lot of forgiveness to the point where we can chat about the kids. And I wouldn't say that we're, you know, friends or colleagues or whatever, acquaintances, but we are people that share um, a mutual love and admiration for Thomas and Olivia. And so as parents and birth parents, it's important to facilitate that because what I realized is that for many years I was bad-mouthing their dad um, and that wasn't kind and he was doing the same. So we, we decided not to do that anymore and we created that healing path and that's got tremendous healing powers for kids when that happens. I mean, my parents, for example, <laughs> and I, I really am 100% positive that they don't listen to podcasts. So if you know my parents, um, you know, please, <laughs> please take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> that every time my every time I talk to my parents, one of my parents complains about the other parent. It's it's nuts, but at the same time, they still talk regularly. They're still in each other's lives because they were together for twenty nine years. They have a love hate relationship, and it's really sweet. It's really sweet to know that there is love there, but it is. Um, <laughs> It's love, it's admiration, but it's also fueled by drama. <laughs> and I, I love my parents. Um, but they got through it. And they've both lived their lives for the last 20 plus years since they got divorced. Oh, hang on. No, it's only like 18 years since they got divorced, I think. Thomas was about two and Thomas is 20. So that makes sense. Um, it is testimony that energy transmutes relationship the relationship energy transmutes and pain turns into power when you are willing to take self-responsibility so only you know when your relationship is over but one thing is for certain one thing is absolutely for certain that the relationship with yourself will never be over so the more you contend to that relationship with yourself the stronger you will be and be able to be to show up to your sacred union to a relationship with love and mutual respect and to create that beautiful mutual support system and we all have different ways of connecting and communicating you may have read the five love languages I believe that there are so many than just five but Really hone in if you're in a relationship right now to the ways in which your spouse can receive love. And if you are on the final last ditch effort of figuring out whether the relationship can sink or swim, just love them. See what happens and how they're responding to. And I'm confident that you can get to a mutual place where you can consciously uncouple rather than hitting the giant self-destruct button like I did. 
and taking the coward's way out. It doesn't have to be drama fueled. It doesn't have to have uh, the energy of violence or uh, underhandedness or drama. It can be peaceful. It can be as peaceful as the energy you bring to it. And you get to design and guide your intentions in accordance to how you can be the love. So if you found this episode valuable today or you believe that somebody else might find it valuable, please share it with them. Um, That's always my intention here is to reach as many people as possible. And also go right now. Do not delay. Go and pre-order your copy of Be The Love, Seven Ways to Unlock Your Heart and Manifest happiness. There are seven simple and powerful lessons in this book about how to be the love you believe you deserve. So it's filled with practical guidance, soulful exercises, and nuggets of wisdom. Be the love is your invitation to use the power of your emotions to achieve happiness. So if you want to get your copy, go to sarahprout.com slash be the love. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It has been an absolute pleasure. I love you guys. I love this community and I'm just so excited to support you on your journey no matter where you are at. Lots of love and bye for now. 